Hi, Cosmic Kitty Cats. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I am one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because we're out here just floating in space having thoughts and ideas and just throwing them out and seeing what sticks and what slides off and what makes sense and what feels good i'm angel lopez i am a writer and a producer and an astrologer and a teacher of mystical things because i'm also a mystic and i'm brandon alter I'm also a mystic. I'm a queeler, uh, which is a queer healer, a tarot reader, an astrologer, a writer, and a performer. And we are so happy to have you with us. Yeah. Hi out there, invisible fam. How are you guys all doing? Yeah, we'll pause for a response. Oh my God. Too many of you trying to talk at once. It's hard to hear. (laughs) 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 Maybe raise your hand. Uh, anyhow, yes, if you hadn't noticed, we're fools. We're also husbands. If this is your first time listening, we are married gays who are here in the world, uh, talking about spiritual shit. And today we're actually going to do a deep dive into wellness. Yeah. Talking about wellness. The whole world and concept of it. But before we get to wellness <laughs> we're your, yeah is that just your way of, of saying it now wellness <laughs> yeah it's my nicole kidman masha nine perfect strangers voice wellness oh i mean it needs a little bit more of an accent wellness <laughs> well that accent was also questionable just like nicole kidman's so i'm nailing it i'm nailing it <laughs> Uh, we're going to do a little check-in and then we're actually going to do a dose of reality. No cosmic update today, sweet babies, because we just have to talk about what's happening in the wide world of reality TV. Yeah. And there's enough astrology out there for you. (laughs) You know, we give you a lot of astrology. Like it's the new moon in Virgo as we're recording this. We just put out a pretty hefty newsletter with taroscopes. And if you need more astrological guidance, then you should just follow us on Instagram where we're pretty much giving it out all the time. Mm -hmm. Though I guess we could probably be giving it out more on Instagram now that I think about it. I mean, we give it out pretty regularly. We have our weekly video. We do. And when there are like transits or things, we tend to alert the children to them. That's fair. And you know what? Sometimes you guys... Astrology is always happening, and sometimes you just have to live your life, you know? Here, here. That's like when I took that uh, little mini course with Tosha Silver. And she had you burn your chart? <laughs> well, after I asked, like, a very thorough question about some things in my chart. And her response was, burn your chart. Like, just release what's in there and let it go for a while and just live your life. It's really good like, advice, actually. Wow. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was about Pluto, so it kind of makes sense that that would be Fair the enough. response. But even like me in the tarot, you know, there are periods of time when I'm pulling cards every day, and then there's periods of time where I'm just like, hey, cards, and I just like wave to them from across the room, and that's about it. Yeah, it's got to be a fluid relationship. It's got to be a fluid relationship. Should we check in a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You want me to begin? Sure. It seems like you're volunteering yourself as tribute. (laughs) So I'll let you. I'm here to be vulnerable, everyone. Hello. Hello. I stand before you, a vulnerable human being. We'll share your vulnerability. With thoughts and feelings and opinions about myself. We'll share them all. (laughs) Aren't you here to know about me and learn about me? Um, Look, I pulled something in my back a little less than a week ago now oh yeah i was having a day of wellness 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 and uh had hack had had some acupuncture and got my hair did 
was feeling good, came home, got my workout on, and tried to do a deadlift with weights that were probably heavier than I should have been doing. And suddenly I was, for some of you may remember that episode of Sex in the City where Miranda like just kind of, I think she's like coming out of the shower. She like tweaks something in her neck. Yeah, tweaks her neck and just like ends up on the floor. That was basically me, though I did have clothes on. And uh, yeah, just kind of had pain in my back like I never had before and um, ended up yeah in the on the floor of this room where now the spirit room Brandon did his best to help me kind of maneuver through it till I got myself situated somewhere comfortably but was in a lot of pain for a while and uh, I'm still now five days later dealing with some discomfort for sure and I'm kind of afraid to lift things, but uh, I'm getting through. And I think if anything, well, really, there were like two things that came out of that for me. One was just like my greater need for stillness because I have a tendency to flit about like a little moth. She's sometimes. a flitter. I'm a flitter. She's flitting. I'm flitting. And uh, I just realized that. I have been so anxious about things, obviously, in the world, but just in my life, too. And it was interesting because my acupuncturist, who I reached out to, um, Russell Brown, if you heard of him, we did an episode with him. He's fantastic. But he, uh, I asked him about just, like, the significance of, like, like, the energy of that area of my back. And he was, like, saying how it had a lot to do with, like, fear of the unknown and... I mean, hello, that makes a lot of sense about the (laughs) living life these days. Yeah. But then I also just realized that for myself, like when it comes to working out, I don't always work out from like a place of love. You know, it's like I'm pushing myself because it's like I'm punishing myself for the things I ate or the way that I look. Um, And... If I'm like coming from that place, I'm not always like mindful of like how to actually like be in a state of like presence with where I'm at before I actually like make the move. And that just comes down to like having presence with my body, which, hello, that's not something I've been very good at either. So it's something I've said about Madonna's body for a really long time. Oh, really? That, like, her body looks tortured, you know? Like, she's super fit, but when I look at Madonna's body, I feel like you can feel the way in which she approaches fitness, and Mm -hmm. it's torturous. Like, she punishes herself, and the body looks punished. Well, now she's just getting high and drinking rosé. Well, it's a different Madonna. But you know what I'm talking about, like, the old-school Madonna with the crazy guns. And I think there's a difference between that and somebody's body who looks tended to from a place of love. I don't have an example of that. Right. Which I think says a lot right there. Yeah, yeah. That there's that it's hard, I think, for people, myself included, to tend our bodies lovingly as opposed to trying to get them to be and operate in a certain way, you know? Well, I think that also just comes down to like our notion of like what what an idealized body is. Yeah. You know? Totally. And looks like. Yeah, looks like. And striving toward that, which is why I've been like really limiting my time on social media over the last couple of days. And it's feeling really nice because I find like I have a tendency to like go there and immediately start to, I think it's now just unconsciously, subconsciously like take in like the images I'm seeing. And I'm like, oh, I'm not that. I, I'm not looking like that. I'm not making that money. I'm not doing this. Like, ugh, you know? Yeah. So. Because um, you don't have a six pack and a white Speedo and Mykonos right now? Right, I don't. But you know what? And I never will. And I guarantee you that those people in the white Speedos with the six packs and Mykonos have deep internalized pain. <laughs> You know, like I mean, maybe, but maybe not. I don't know. I I don't know what's going on. My girl, I do. But regardless, they're crying and they're (laughs) overpriced 
cocktails. I mean, look, I'm not here to judge them because I have no idea their lives. But all I know is like it's not me, and that is okay. And I just have to be present with the being that is me. So, so thanks back. Thanks back for reminding me that like I'm fucking important and valuable, and my body should be taken care of. So that's that's where I'm at right now. I love that. <laughs> what about you? Uh, what about me? You know, I, I don't like to be like a huge downer <laughs> on this podcast because that doesn't help anything. But if you read our newsletter, you'll know that I'm just going through it a bit. And I know I'm not the only one because the world is bleak and rough and hard right now. And I do think that I am taking in so much news and information and social media, and it's just overwhelming where we are in our collective evolution. And I'm just having trouble processing all of it and continuing to move forwards in my own life. And so, yeah, I've been definitely wrestling with what I call like a low-grade depression, and I'm not a psychologist, it's a shocker, but to me, I call it like a low-grade depression because I'm still functioning, like I'm still recording this podcast and giving readings and walking noche and like everything is getting done that needs to get done, but that is literally the extent of it, like there's no extra and I'm not necessarily doing it with like gusto and I do feel like I'm going through the motions for the most part and basically just like struggling with meaning. So I'm just like confronting the meaningless abyss. And my new therapist, who I like, although the jury's still out, um, on just like the like effectivity of this relationship, it's still like too soon to tell. And I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I think I'm clear. Not that. anymore. Okay. Well, listen, this is, this is therapy, right? I gotta be able to be honest. Jesus I would say it. I would say it to his face. I would say like, a jury's still out on, on whether or not this is this is working for me. Okay, Sutton. Oh, fair. <laughs> I would say it to her face. I would. I would say it to his face. Okay. I mean, I think he's a great, smart guy. I'm just like not entirely sure that this is working. But an awareness that's recently come to me is that when I've been visited by this low-grade depression throughout my life, as I have been, I usually immediately turn to like all of my spiritual skills to try to like magic it away, whether it's like breath work or meditation or ritual work, or even just like going for a long run or getting out into nature. But essentially, like as soon as I feel it creeping up on me, I just do what I can to banish it. And instead, he was like, well, what if you just allowed it and accepted it and like saw where it was trying to lead you? which is like pretty miserable and horrifying and scary and painful and bleak. But I don't really have enough energy to do anything else. So I'm just kind of forced to allow it and see where it's taking me as I sit with it and get in bed with it, that hopefully it will reveal something that I haven't been able to gain clarity on in my life so far because it's the same visitor you know that's shown up year after year after year and just because i'm able to like get it to go away for a while it always comes back so i'm hoping that this time instead of like pushing it away i can partner with it and in some ways even like devote myself to it and see if it can inform a new way of moving forwards well, that's good. I feel like a lot of wise people have set a version of the idea of the only way out is through. Grr, right? Yeah, totally. So I'm I'm in the midst of it. I pulled the Queen of Cups for Aquarius mm -hmm. when I was writing the taroscopes. Mm -hmm. And I do receive my own messages <laughs> as well. Uh, and I was just like, yeah, that's a really helpful context for me right now. It's just like Queen of Cups is... You're going through a deep transformation. There are no words available to you. Only your emotions can be your guide and like just keep surrendering to the process of transformation. So that's what I'm doing. I think that's good because that's what's going to strengthen you. 
is if you can actually like know what it means to like stand within the field of thorns, you know? Yeah, totally. And not like contort so that they don't puncture me, but just like let them. And even if they do, to also like rebel by staying alive. I don't know. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, completely. We were talking about this yesterday, y'all. We were just like talking about the fact that we are not that good at like presenting a glossy image of ourselves. <laughs> like if the spiritual gays have a gimmick, it's that we are messy and real. <laughs> and, yeah, completely. And that that doesn't necessarily like resonate with everybody, but that's like all we can do because inauthenticity just like isn't something we can get it up about you know so we just like appreciate that you're here for that yeah we're not presentational no. and there's an amazing show on hbo max called the other two if anybody has seen it um but there was a recent episode where they were uh they were skewering the whole notion of like instagram couples couples yeah and they had these they, they had a one that was like known as like the cuddle boys and it was just, yeah, like all of these very kind of aspirational photos. And, you know, it's all the ones you've kind of seen. Right. And Brandon and I think both had like our own little moments of like, oh, like that is not a path we want to go down. No. But we also are the spiritual gaze. gaze. Totally. But that's where, and that was kind of, I think, part of what got us talking about it. But I think, yeah, we have to kind of just stay honest and true to who we are. And I don't want to perpetuate the sort of stuff that I hate and that makes me feel terrible. Like, I don't want anybody to like look at our offerings and like not feel welcome or good enough or invited in, which is a lot of what I like see in the interwebs, you know? Well, and that's why a lot of our like visual content has very little like setup. you know, it's not out of like lack of care it's really just out of like lack of like, I think need to present a version of ourselves. You know, we're not setting up like a whole. Honestly, you, know, you guys locale. I just like <laughs> I just don't care enough. You know, like I can't put energy into things that I don't care enough about, and like I just don't care enough about like putting together photo, photo shoots shoot. <laughs> all the time to feed the Instagram monster because at the end of the day, like that's not what my life is dedicated to No, And I don't want to dedicate my life to that. So anyway, thanks for being here for our crisis of conscience. Yeah. <laughs> Allowing us to keep it real and, you know, connecting with that. Uh, and if you don't or haven't, we miss you. <laughs> well, speaking of images and images falling apart. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we should head into this episode's, Dose, Dose of, of reality. reality. So, there she is. There she is. The unraveling of Erica Jane. Is that we're what we're going to call this episode? Fascinated. <laughs> we're fascinated. And we're not the only ones. No. And if you're not fascinated... You can fast forward. But for those yeah. of you that are... We're talking about The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, obviously. We're talking about Erica Girardi, neat Jane, who has presented for many, many years as one of the richest housewives on the franchise. And it has come to everyone's attention that her now ex-husband was... I mean, essentially, like, stealing money. Allegedly. Allegedly stealing money from the people who he was like winning settlements for. But what's that called? Like it was called like a Ponzi scheme when you rob Peter to pay Paul. What's that called? It's, it's not it laundering. Em embezzling? Embezzling. Yeah. Embezzling. So we're coming to understand that like her whole life has basically been a lie. And whether or not she knew, hard to tell. Allegedly. But, allegedly. But everyone that we talk to in our world is like pretty fascinated by it. And I'm curious about what in this story is just like consuming so many of us. Why are we so obsessed with this particular 
downfall. I have some ideas, but I'm wondering, why do you think we're so obsessed watching this tragedy kind of unfold in real time? Well, I guess on some level, we like to see frauds revealed for their true nature. Okay, so there's like a karma in real time justice thing happening. Yeah, um, and again, that's alleged. Allegedly. <laughs> um, and maybe fraud's not the right word. Um, more like personas. Being punctured. Being punctured, right. For sure. Um, and there is like a fascination. Because already, I think just as like a culture, we're fascinated by like the royalty of celebrity. Right, of celebrity culture, totally. Yeah, and that they have the big houses and the things that we all wish we had, the trips, the money, the Speedo and Abs and Mykonos. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, do we also like love to like laugh at them and hate them because we realize like, oh, we're smarter than them and they're not as great as they think they are. We're also better than them in some way. It makes, there's like a way in there that allows us to feel good about ourselves because we can like see their mistakes and be like, I would never fall for that. Yeah. Well, we're obsessed with like a fall from grace, right? Like we, mm -hmm. we love that. And her fall from grace is particularly steep. Yeah. I also think there is a perfect storm happening here in the sense that there are a lot of people in the world who are perpetrating injustice. And we can't necessarily take them all down. There are systems and structures in place that make a lot of the wrongdoers in the world untouchable still. And so when there is somebody that's perpetrating some sort of wrongdoing and we can enforce some sort of responsibility or consequence, we use them as like a scapegoat almost for everything that we're feeling. So it's like we can't eat the rich. So at least here's one person who paraded around as somebody very, very wealthy. And now we can take some sort of satisfaction in their getting what they deserve, in quotation marks, allegedly. Right. I don't know. I think that's one potentiality. I do also think that there is, and this is a much bigger subject, so we may not be able to cover all of this, but I do think <laughs> I do think there is just like misogyny involved. Oh, of I course. mean, there's misogyny just like embedded in the Housewives franchise. Yeah. Are you calling Andy Cohen a misogynist? I think... Headline. No. I mean, I think I think there's misogyny <laughs> no rife within, like, gay male community. Oh, of course. Like, that's just something that needs to be unpacked and explored and just, like, owned. In the same way that, like, we're all racist and we're all homophobic and, you know, we're all of these things. I think we're all misogynistic. How could you live in this culture that is so deeply misogynistic and not absorb some of that? So we, I yeah. think that's something I'm always looking at, you know, in myself. Because in my heart of hearts, I actually am the opposite. Like, I feel like women are superior to men. So I'm like, how am I behaving in ways that actually betray that deep heartfelt belief? But I do think that's part of it. The other part of it is difficult to put words to. So I'll say it like this. We were watching the Cruella movie last night because we hadn't seen it. And in that movie, Emma Thompson plays this like literal Disney villainess like she's rich and she's a narcissist and she's fabulous and also like I'm sitting there the whole movie and like I just can't wait for her to get it do you know what I mean <laughs> right. like I just want her to get what's coming to her and I know not everyone felt this way about Erica Jane I know there are some people that like always loved her and supported her and you know she was there to like give the gays what they want and she had the courage to like you know, follow her dreams and to manifest this alter ego that meant something to her. But when I go back and I like watch how she behaved on those old episodes, like she was mean 
And she was haughty and she was very full of herself. And personally, in this moment, like Emma Thompson's character in Cruella, like there is a satisfaction in me that I'm not proud of, but like I'm happy to watch her get it, you know, like to watch her have to eat, even though she's not really like she's she's holding a strong front. But but this idea that like, I don't know, like life isn't fair when we all know that. But sometimes it's nice when like it seems like somebody is what what am I saying here? Do well, you know I what think I'm saying that, here? I think actually what you just said that life isn't fair is a big piece of it. Is that yes, life isn't fair and so much so many of us experience that sense, right? In our own lives. Mm-hmm. So when you do see what feels like some someone who is privileged getting dealt uh what feels like a fair blow their way, we celebrate it because those of us who aren't privileged or, well, I should say those of us who are maybe less privileged or completely unprivileged and are getting like fucking blows dealt at us around like our rights or our finances, our jobs, our opportunities, whatever, whatever. Uh, when someone who's like afforded all of the opportunities and they get it, then yeah, that does feel good in some way it satisfies something in us just to like see a crook be you know made an example of right yeah i don't know i don't know why we're all so fascinated some of you are probably like i'm not fascinated and please (laughs) stop talking about it but yeah i'm actually i'll be honest i'm not that fascinated by bullshit you read more i actually don't read that many blog posts about erica jane anymore no and but I, you were i was initially but then i was like it's all kind of repetitive and the same and like at this point i actually don't know if i think she knew a ton or knew that much and i also think she was just kind of like saying yes to whatever circumstances were being presented to her in that marriage just so she could like keep her lifestyle going yeah um, but I also think that there is like quite a performance happening. Well, yeah, and we're seeing the breakdown of the performance that's been happening for the last however many years she's been in the public eye through that show. Yeah. Um, the persona she was presenting to us is now like completely cracking. Well, I think that's apart. what's also really interesting about this is that when you have somebody who has become the persona. Right. And then you're watching the dissolution of that. Well, and that's kind of the like relational piece of it, right? Because on some level, like I think a lot of people can probably understand what it is to create a persona of yourself Mm -hmm. and then be in a a situation where someone punctures a hole in it and you're like, oh, fuck, like I got to cover that up real quick. Yeah. Or, Or you just start to let the cracks show and obviously the whole premise of reality tv is that we're watching a bunch of personas parade around asserting who they are not but but who they want you to believe that they are so but we don't watch reality tv for that we're actually watching it because we're interested in seeing something true in seeing the cracks or in seeing yeah there it's essentially just like great improv television (laughs) yeah so i think there is something in in just like watching the struggle the internalized struggle that she's going through between like the persona and the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm more fascinated by that. Like just the human story of this person, like struggling to cling to an old version of themselves while the world is quickly like reflecting back to them who they see. And it was probably much easier for her in the past to, um, just like negate the haters, mm-hmm. you know, because there were so many loud voices of like, you're queen, you're everything, diva. And now it's a little bit like, mm, you're a fraud, you're a phony, you're a crook. And well, it's just fascinating that like the core of Erica Jane was I'm rich. Like that truly was like the center. Yeah. It's, it's expensive, expensive to, to be, be me. me. Yeah. But also this whole notion of pretty mess. Mm, that's true. Which has like... But she was never a mess. No, but she also was presenting that 
as far as like creative was concerned, you know, like that was the name of her book and her business and a single and, you know, it was like this tear. I mean, I think the image for that is like literally like a tear streaked woman and now here we are, like self-fulfilling that prophecy. Yeah, prophecy that of like who she actually was. I mean, we have literally fallen in deep into this rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I just want to say I love it. Having taken this journey, I am surprised to find that like I have a lot of like love and empathy for her. And wow, I, yeah, no, it's true. I just don't think like I haven't seen it. <laughs> where, know. where, where is it? Can I see that, please? That's lovely to hear. I wish the best for her. It can't be easy, you know. And we all make choices, and some of them are bad choices, and there are consequences. But I pretty much wish grace for everybody, right? Because I would want people to wish grace for me, and. And at the end of the movie, when Emma Thompson's character is like being driven away to jail, you feel bad. Spoiler alert. (laughs) You feel bad because you're like, this is a person too. This is a damaged person who is in pain. Sorry if we just spoiled the end. No matter how much pain they've caused other people. It's a Disney movie. You know what's going to (laughs) happen. The baddie's going to get their just desserts. Right. You know, but I think that's the difference between like a Disney movie and real life, which is that like the baddie doesn't always get it in the end. And also that like it's easy in a film to be like this, this, this baddie is a baddie and they're only a baddie, you know, which is that like every human being, even those that do terrible, despicable, heinous, evil things are more complex than that. Yeah. And meanwhile, on the other side of reality street. A beautiful vision of light won RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 6. Yay! Kylie Sonique Love. Talk about a story of resiliency and redemption. Congratulations. Congratulations, Kylie Sonique Love. I Kylie Sonique love you. 11 years after your first time on the show. Being eliminated on episode four? Yeah, and coming back to win it. Mm, Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I was like heavily Team Raja as well as Team Kylie. I know. Um, like I would have been happy if either either of them won. And honestly, even if Eureka or Ginger had won, I would have also been happy because I felt like they all did very good jobs. They're all queens among um, queens. Yeah. And but, Trinity K. Bonet. Yeah. Like if any of those queens had won. But for me, like I ultimately like was really heavily on like Team Kylie, Team Raja. So I was really, really glad to see Kylie win it was very deserving yeah if silky nutmeg ganache couldn't win i mean it's good that sonique did also queen legend all right well thanks to the six of you that are still listening (laughs) (laughs) it's there's probably like literally like eight percent of our audience who like cares as deeply about the real housewives as we do i guess well what are you gonna do but you know we went a little deeper uh, yeah, well, because there's you know? something deep there that I think keeps us watching season after season. It would be amazing if we could get like some like ex housewife on who could talk a little more about it, like or freely. like an ex, like any sort of ex reality star, and kind of talk about like the spiritual aspect of that path mm. of being on like reality TV and being presented as your quote unquote real life identity on screen yeah to be confronted with your persona so if there's any reality stars up there listening (laughs) or ex-reality stars come on the show we'll chat with you you hear that jill zarin oh my goddess she's not going to come on the show because she's about to try to get back on the show that's true i don't know like what her spiritual nature would be she is a deeply spiritual human i know this intuitively as somebody who feels jill zarin across space and time phaedra parks worked with the dead she did? Yeah, remember she owned the funeral home. Oh, yeah, she did own a funeral home. But I don't know if she was, like, working with spirits of the dead. But, you know, she was at least working in a spiritual capacity. Okay. All right. I mean, that's a stretch, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> I mean, working through grief is a very spiritual, but spiritual I don't process. But she was working through grief. I think she was just like... Yeah, but you're helping facilitate other people's grief processes. Okay, yeah. Allegedly. 
allegedly. All right, we have gone way too long, and now we're going to have 13 seconds for our deep dive, but we should just get into it. So strap in for this episode's Deep Dive. What the fuck is wellness? What the fuck is wellness? So a, uh, well, the Oxford Dictionary definition of wellness is the state of being in good health especially as an actively pursued goal. Good health as an actively pursued goal. Yes. Um, Example being measures of a patient's progress toward wellness. Got it. So wellness is like a destination. Yeah. It's like a place we're heading toward. Trying to get to. Which is why I think like you always hear the term like, wellness journey thrown mm, around mm-hmm. i have to say we this is not the topic but i feel like <laughs> i would love to do a, an episode on what the fuck is a journey but like ever since we listened to an interview and we might have already mentioned it on the show but there was an interview between bianca del rio and lady bunny lady bunny and they just like were skewering the idea of like it's my journey yeah, i'm on my journey guys and now i it's become like this thing for me. Like I hear it so much now and everything, just the concept of like being on one's journey or like totally. my journey here and my journey there. But you and your I acupuncturist. Cannot, yeah. Well, Russell had kind of started. I think that's, we. I mentioned the whole idea of journey because Russell skewered it on his. A long time ago. A long time ago on his Instagram stories. And so I've already been like working on like, oh, right. Like going to the grocery store is not a part of my journey. Um, but, uh, or just like life as a journey, but it was funny the other day I was actually like having to like compose a sentence around it and journey just was like the obvious choice for it for me. But then I was like, actually the, it's also just my life. (laughs) Just say like that part of my life was this, you know, anyhow, right. I'm getting off topic, but I think that there is like that whole, like you hear that thrown around a lot, right? Like it's a part of my wellness journey. Mm -hmm. Um, and wellness has also been just so much of like, just the basis for the larger community that encompasses like spirituality and, you know, tarot, astrology, yoga, essential oils, essential oils. Yeah. People working with energy and chakras, like types of nutrition. Yeah. It all kind of is under this large wellness umbrella, right? Yeah. In which there's a huge diversity of integrity results. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, wellness is as broad as religion is, right? There right. are some people that are using religion for good, and there are some people that are using it for utter evil. And within the wellness community, especially because it's like not that regulated, there is a huge, huge spectrum. And it gets sent up a lot, I think. Yeah. And I don't know that it always gets the respect that it deserves. What do you mean by that? I think that people can look at the pursuit of wellness as something superficial, as something self-absorbed, as something that is... Well, privileged. Privileged. And also sometimes foolish or narcissistic. Or for people who are, like, gullible or looking to be had, right? Like, this idea that, like, healers and mystics are all just, like, snake oil salesmen who are just, like, looking to shake you down. But I think in that, and we've talked about this, is this idea that we're all attached to that centers around being addicted to being unwell. Yeah. One, I, I, before we get into that, I kind of just want to even just talk about the notion of like, what does it mean to be well? And is that essentially a 
point that could potentially just become always consistently in the distance. Right. For yeah. us. Just even like reading that definition and seeing that like wellness is a goal. You know, it's something to be one achieved to some degree, but like as human beings who are engaging with the world, you know, unless perhaps we're like, you know, I don't know, Yolanda Hadid, who probably is like moved to, sorry, another Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reference, but like who's probably living like in a farm in the middle of nowhere and just like petting goats and like, you know, eating or drinking her homemade lemonade. I wish like, that for her. <laughs> and just like, I'm doing well, guys. Yeah. Like, because I'm not like engaging with the outside world in any way possible, you know, like, and I don't have to. Yeah. Well, but we are not all capable of that. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I do think it can be like a carrot dangling in front of your nose that you never reach, which is why I think wellness is a process, mm-hmm. a never ending process, not unlike healing. It's a never ending process, but it also is less of a destination and more of a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Like approaching your life from a place of wellness to me is about exploring things like reciprocity and belonging and relationship. Like when we explore the relationship between our minds and our bodies and our bodies and our environment and our hearts and our minds. And I think that's when we're exploring wellness. Mm-hmm. And it's about achieving some sort of balance, and balance isn't fixed. It too is fluid, and which is why, like, wellness continues to evolve for people. Yeah, and I think we all have to have like our own definition of it, right? Like, what is our own sense of wellness and well being? I guess is really the, another term to use for it. Yeah. But I want to go back to what I said to move forwards, which is that like we glorify unwellness. Exactly. Like we glorify the grind. We glorify being busy. We glorify being exhausted. We glorify this idea of basically killing ourselves to achieve goals. And we raise that up. And that's totally informed by capitalism and consumerism. And so then wellness becomes this like thing you have to do in order to survive in a culture and an environment that is so unwell, that's so divorced from balance and exchange and basic human needs. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if the idea of wellness could even be explainable to a lot of our ancestors. Right. Because... Those of our ancestors who I think were living in ways that were like closer to the land and closer to community and closer to natural cycles never stepped out of of wellness. It was like what you were saying. It was just like a way of life. But because we're so far removed from that, yeah, wellness has become this thing that unfortunately is also influenced by capitalism and consumerism and isn't a pure offering anymore, if it ever was. Well, yeah, because to your point, like if if you're not well, you're ill. And we, because of the capitalist society and culture, we perpetuate like the need to like sell the things that help us right get you know get rid of any feelings of illness or unwell rightness it's like oh a green <laughs> juice a green juice helps you feel better great let's let's commodify it immediately let and then let's overdo it right right let's like create a diet that's only green juices yeah. i mean it goes back to what i was saying about madonna you know which is that like we can approach wellness from a place of illness and it really just like goes back to like what's the intention behind all of this you know why do you want to be well in the first place Mm. are you asking (laughs) sure uh well i want to be well because it feels synonymous with enjoyment of life 
and I deserve to enjoy my life. Hmm. That's a nicer answer than what mine would have been. <laughs> what would yours have been? When I really sit with it, why do I want to be well? It's because I'm afraid of pain, disease, sickness, and death. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to have to engage with those things. Right. So I would prefer to be well. But no matter how well I am, at some point there's going to be sickness, disease, exactly, pain, and death. Yeah. Right. There's probably already been one or two or three of those. Hell, girl, I'm in a death year right now. So you know, no amount of green juices is going to get me out of that. Exactly. It's like. We need to, on some level, like normalize being unwell so that we're not feeling shame around it. But I think I'm going to challenge that Mm because I feel like being unwell is normalized. But I don't think talking about it is. And that's, I guess, what I mean. For sure. I think that's probably true, actually. Like, that's why we've all, for the most part, been trained to like respond with, I'm good. When people ask, how are you? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Like immediately. And then let's just get to the thing. Like, that's why Real Housewives of New York reference here. One of the greatest moments that Dorinda Medley ever brought us was like, how are you doing? Not well, bitch. You know, because it was like such a like real moment. (laughs) And now like, that's how I just want to respond Half the time when people ask me, like, how are you doing? I not well, like, bitch. Not well, bitch. Look around. <laughs> not well. <laughs> not well. You know? But that was like, I mean, that was like memed and shared by so many who love the housewives because like we could all relate to that, right? To in that moment wanting to say that. But like if you're really in a moment with people and I know I have like had someone ask me, how are you doing? I've been like, honestly, I'm not that great today. And there's always like a, oh, shit. Oh, I'm not, I was not prepared for this. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I have somewhere to be in five minutes. Reality? No, 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 no. Can we just talk about the thing we're here to talk about? And so that's, I think, what I meant by that. Like, Yeah. And probably because they're not well either. And so their bandwidth is really low. And it's like, I just have to get through this thing so that I can get through the next thing so that I can get home and pour myself a scotch and watch The Real Housewives and go to bed and wake up tomorrow and do it again. Yeah. Or they're not even just like actively engaged with anything being wrong. You know, they're just they're doing pouring the whiskey and doing the things and just kind of complaining about life because that's life. Yeah. You know, and I think that's actually like some of the issue, too, and where you where you were going in the beginning of the conversation around like that it gets skewered a lot. Yes, because just, yeah, the idea of like trying to be well is threatening is threatening to those that have hook, line and sinker just bought the idea. This is what life is and suck it up. Yeah, and a lot of people don't know how to actually attain a sense of well-being. So it's like almost the response is like anger, you know, or ridicule. I mean, we should just mention that like one of the reasons why we wanted to explore this topic on the show was twofold. One, because it's Virgo season and Virgo energy is really about health and wellness and body-mind connection and Yeah, and just like what exactly is that, right? Yeah, and Virgos, you know, like they are the healers and the massage therapists and the apothecaries. And um, This is so Virgo season that we're literally having conversations just like analyzing wellness. Totally. (laughs) But then we're also watching Nine Perfect Strangers. Yeah, which is a show on Hulu based on a book by Leanne Moriarty. Yep. And it's about nine strangers who go to this retreat that's led by an elusive Russian mystic played by Nicole Kidman who promises that the the person who leaves the retreat will not be the same person that enters and is is promising some sort of like truly transformational wellness. Right. But has some like questionable tactics that yeah. get revealed along the way. I'll try not to spoil this the way I spoiled Cruella. <laughs> <laughs> Had to go and spoil Cruella for I'm the children. So what if there sorry, were children everybody. listening? There's no children listening. <laughs> there could be children. They might be on their wellness journey. If there are children listening on their wellness journey, they already saw Cruella. That is true. Because we are behind the eight ball. And they have some thoughts. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I love that conversation with that kid. Yeah, I know. If your child is listening or you are listening and you have thoughts on Cruella, we want to hear it. Let's talk about it. Anyhow, um, 
but yeah, so we were watching this and it is essentially a, yeah about obviously like the wellness world. Yeah. And we were reading reviews about it, which also illuminated that people are coming into watching the show about wellness with a lot of baggage. Yeah. And biases. And biases. Yeah. And a lot of people's frustration with it is that it's not as satirical as they were hoping it would be because it's hard for a lot of people to just embrace the wellness industry in any form in any form and and embrace people that are seeking it in earnest yeah and look this is said with like all awareness that real wellness of that level is a pretty fucking privileged thing you know to be able to like spend money to go to a place and like oh my god drink the yes. smoothies or whatever the fuck you're doing there oh my like god, totally i mean i can't afford to do that no shit. we certainly can't <laughs> but like but i would i'm intrigued but i also like but I also maybe wouldn't. I'd rather just like go on vacation somewhere and like have my own experience. But I would. I ain't, qu- I ain't also like shaming anyone who does it because it's like if you can go to like a location, Brandon's like, I'm in. Oh, honey. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Brandon will go with you. I absolutely. Um, or he'll take your recommendations for when he can go. Tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Tell totally. me when to wake up. Tell me what to eat. Tell me what to drink. You know what I mean? Just like literally <laughs> hysterical. Whereas I'm like totally the opposite. I'm like, I can define it for myself, but also I'll probably end up eating like pita chips. Anyhow. I'll- Even like when I did my yoga teacher training, you know, like right. where it was like, you know, two weeks in nature, vegetarian meals, like. Yeah, but you were like, that was there was nothing glamorous entirely about it. There was nothing glamorous about it, but there was also something like incredibly glamorous about it. Because all I was doing every day was like doing yoga, learning about yoga, sitting in a circle, talking about yoga being in nature and like eating vegetarian food and then also like smoking a cigarette at night and like sneaking a <laughs> joint in the woods and things. Cause I was, you I know, mean, I know. Right. Already. I don't never forget terrible. that. Like at the very end, like the very last night of the retreat, I realized this one girl in the retreat had been just like smoking a bowl all the time. And I didn't realize. And I was like, girl, I was like, why did we not figure this out? Like last week, like we could have been like getting high with each other at night. And so we were just doing it alone. So I guess it really was, there really wasn't. Because <laughs> it was a part wellness. of your journey. It was a part of my journey. <laughs> I mean, I remember I, I said to the woman who was leading it, I was like, this is like the world's most lenient rehab. And she thought that was so funny. Uh, totally. But that's kind of what they are to some degree, right? Uh, yeah. A because lot of these retreats, wellness retreats. Yeah. I mean, like they, like they were like, if you smoke, just smoke in the parking lot, please. So you don't catch the forest on fire. Right. So I would go and I would, you know. Yeah, please don't. Come out of meditation and smoke my American spirit mediums. But that's kind of what goes on, right? They're kind of like, you know, it's like wellness retreats, maybe not from like a substance, but like from your overworking lifestyle or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And look, I mean, like this isn't an episode about retreats, but the issue with that is like then integration, you know, like how do you integrate everything back into your life, which is why it becomes this like perpetual cycle where it's like you go on a retreat, you get well in quotation marks, you come back home, you get unwell, and then you got to go back again. You know, it's like this never ending cycle. Yeah. But it is just interesting that like, and I, I want to have the conversation like when like the whole idea of like striving to become a better version of you, like became such a like terrible thing or became a laughable thing it reminds me too of like the first time i read eat pray love by elizabeth gilbert which and i just like loved it i didn't obviously entirely relate to her and like her story but she had all these just like beautiful like pieces of like wisdom through her experience and obviously too there was like an aspirational component where you're like oh man i want to go to like india and italy and where you know bali and all these things but i didn't get caught up in that so much as cuz i was like so interested in like the meat of like her experience and like what she was like offering and like taking those little nuggets of wisdom and i guess that like says something about me right that like i wasn't like well fuck you for like getting to be so privileged and like you got to go have this experience and like somebody paid for half of that trip you know like cuz your publisher sent you and i didn't i was i remember actually being like kind of a little shocked when like i was like reading all of the like criticism around it and that like people were like it's it's bull and like you know she is just kind of like performing it was very performative and she you know and just all the conversation around privilege yeah that and then came like self-indulgent yeah self-indulgent and she like left her life and like you know 
how terrible of her. And like, there was so much about her, like being like a terrible person. And I, again, was just kind of like, Oh, so like, am I a terrible person? <laughs> like, I just like strive to like be better. And is that wrong? And I don't think it is, but I guess it's how you go about it. And that's, I think where then you have to like look at the industry as a whole, because I think there are people out there are bad people out there doing this work. Yeah. I mean, look, there's bad people everywhere doing all different kinds of work, you know? Yeah. And I mean, that's like cult mentalities and yeah, you see that. But like, look at the medical profession. You know what I mean? Like there are asshole doctors and pharmaceutical companies and yeah. look at education and like academia and there's oh, all yeah. sorts. It's like no industry is without. Right. Cause we're human beings. And I think that that's maybe like, just kind of tying it back to like nine perfect strangers even you know and like this whole idea of like people like hating on it because it's like it's not like poking enough fun at this industry right like it's not showing it for the scam that it is um and it also was coming off the heels of the white lotus which was a i think a very different show very that wasn't a show about people pursuing their well-being it was not just like all. rich white people going on vacation yeah um but it just was more satirical in nature yeah it was just making fun of them a little more yeah and that's the erica jane of it all right like let's watch these privileged people get tear torn down because right. they deserve it right some degree and i right. think that's what people also responded to with the white lotus in some ways and but it was a bunch of like upscale people going to a retreat somewhere and that's i think similar so it was also it, it's unfortunate timing too for nine perfect strangers and again that show is not perfect by any means i think it has some real issues but um i think that it uh is just interesting to see the conversation around around it and i think you use the the perfect word the biases that that are immediately really flung at the world well yeah but i also think like wellness gets shoved in our faces sometimes and so we mm -hmm. resent it as well you know like we see and i mean it's very much connected i think to like yoga and the way like yoga has become so mainstream and it's like all of these people with their like fit bodies and holding the green juice kind of like literally like shoving their wellness in our faces but it's like are they even well and that even goes back to what you were saying about your share which is like just because you are skinny doesn't mean that you're well. Right. And there's a lot of people that have conflated the two. Right. So I just think it's important for us to like value the need to like define wellness for ourselves. Preach. Yes. And really figure out then who are the people that we respond to and connect to who can help us along our path to toward being more well yeah it's totally not feeling one size more well fits yeah all. but i think we also have to be really aware that like it's not a fixed destination it's not a place that you're going to eventually like move into and everything is going to be like technicolor field of roses well actually that might be hard because thorns but you know what i mean i think we can have a greater experience of life by attaining a better relationship with being well. But we also have to understand that like, we're not going to fully be able to escape the challenging realities of life. And that's okay. And I also just think that pursuing your own well-being might be selfish, but it's the best kind of selfish. And the more well you might feel the more you can actually contribute. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And so if there are people who are unable to give to themselves in that way, who then attack those that are, try not to take that personally. And you're allowed to spend your time and your money and any of your resources that you so desire on the things that make you feel better and ideally the things that help you to feel more free. 
Yeah. I actually feel like that's a word that hasn't come up in this conversation, which is like wellness as pursuit of liberation Mm -hmm. from all of the things that we're born into, you know? Yeah. And I think contribution, you know, when you can contribute to others who are less well than you, and that's the acknowledgement of the privilege that you've had of that part of your experience. Um, but at the same time, it like helps to give more purpose to it too. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the organizing principles of my life is that like things that have worked for me, I'm really passionate about sharing with other people. Yeah. Just cause it's worked for me, you know, and I had the benefit of learning it or being taken through it. And I want to be able to do that for other people even though not everything works for everybody and not everything works all the time. Well, I just want to say to anyone out there listening, if you are on a path toward greater well-being, good for you. Yeah, fucking rock on, motherfucker. Yeah, keep on, keep strong. We need you. And maybe the first step is acknowledging that you're not well, bitch. (laughs) I am not well, bitch. And that's important. So important. Like, it's okay to acknowledge that you're not well. These are not well times, y'all. Yeah. And the more well you become in some ways, the less well you're going to feel in other ways. And that's, I think, like, to just know that it's constantly a push and pull. And that's just, like, being honest and authentic, too. So. Well, thank you for taking this journey with us. We really appreciate you just being a part of our journey. <laughs> you know what I've started saying instead? It, it doesn't really address the issue but i've just what? started saying voyage <laughs> instead of journey i'm just using voyage now okay i'm living for that i just say i just like oh yeah it's not I'm on this, a spiritual voyage i'm on a voyage right this is part of your voyage oh my god i just have yeah I'm totally i know only because i just too. can't say journey with a straight face anymore <laughs> so i've just of how much yeah it's come so up i've just literally us. started saying voyage i just oh like god. have completely I replaced it living for voyage <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make voyage happen <laughs> voyage is the new journey guys All right, well, to conclude this voyage, (laughs) let's pull a card. Please. I need to know where I'm at on my voyage. Just connect to the cards by listening to the sound of them being shuffled and trusting that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. Just one card to help us. One card to meet us wherever we're at. Give us the guidance and the power that we need to take the next step. Oh, it's the King of Pentacles reversed. Go on. So the King of Pentacles is a card that I really connect to control, like being the master of your own destiny, but also controlling your pentacles, which is like all of the physical things, including time, because I think time is something that we can like count and measure. It has a physical quality to it. And so when the King of Pentacles is direct, it's inviting us to really step into our ability to control and organize and almost embody that sort of kingly aspect. It's almost like a CEO aspect where you are quite disciplined and regimented in ways that allow you to really like rule your kingdom. But she upside down, which would suggest that perhaps we need to hold back a little bit of our desire to control anything and everything around us, including ourselves. And that there are ways perhaps in which we we become so regimented that we no longer are present for ourselves. And so I would just encourage you, wherever you are, to explore the opposite of control, which to me is allowance, trust, surrender, acceptance. And that's actually the only thing we really have control over, right? Mm -hmm. Is like, am I going to open my heart to this or am I going to stay closed? And one way in which we stay closed is by trying to manipulate our lives, our minds, our hearts, our surroundings to continue to feed us the things that we think we need, which in some ways actually goes back to this whole conversation about wellness, which is that like wherever you are, there's a choice that can be made 
that's a good choice for you. That is wellness, you know? Mm-hmm. Like wellness doesn't need to be super complicated. It doesn't need to be microdosing mushrooms or transcendental meditation or five hours of yoga a day. It can just be like some deep breaths and taking in the sunlight and drinking in the nature around you and softening and trusting that you have everything you need and you don't have to control everything around you and that somehow things will unfold in a way that you will be taken care of. Thank you for that. The King of Pentacles is like Oprah, but the King of Pentacles reverse is like Oprah when she's just like given up for a day. <laughs> you know? Oh, does Oprah ever give up? Actually, I'm Yes, sure of does. course she yes, does. I'm you don't sure think Oprah does. wakes up some days and is like, I'm too tired, y'all. You yeah. know? Of course she does. I'm sure. And she just goes and sits under that oak tree. Right. And cries maybe, or who knows? Who knows? So... Listens to the spiritual gaze. The goddess. Oh, my goddess. <laughs> if, only, if only. That would be a true revelation. It would work me out. Well, thank you so much for that message. Deeply helpful. All right, y'all. Well, thank you for being here at this stop along our voyage. We're so grateful to be connected with you. You can always find out everything that we've got going on at thespiritualgaze.com. Find out about our webinars, um, classes we have coming up, or how to work with us on any healings or readings. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at The Spiritual Gaze, Facebook at The Spiritual Gaze, Twitter at Just Spiritual Gaze. And yeah. Until next time, this has been your transit through... The spiritual game.